Hey, I'm Mitchell Holmes, and I am the Children's Director at our Waterford location. Thank you so much for checking out this message. We're glad you're here, and we would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way that you can do that is by texting the word River Connect to 97000. That's River Connect, all one word, to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you'd like to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click on the giving tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. So, really excited for the next couple weeks. Uh, Every time we do these Reach, Gather, Grows, we don't just like pluck out, we're going to do Reach, Gather, Grow, throw some Bible to it, and let's just see what happens. Uh, We're very, very purposeful about how we go about planning our sermon series. And the way that we are purposeful about it is every single thing that gets preached, every single thing that gets taught uh, during a growth community is rooted in God's word. So you hear me say this so often, go read your Bible. Why do you go read your Bible? Because it reveals who God is, and when we know who God is, that ultimately helps us kind of live life. So this is going to be a really exciting month because we get to preach out of one of my favorite epistles, and we're going to be preaching out of Philippians. I love Philippians. So here's your free commercial. Here is your challenge. Read your Bible. What are you specifically going to read? The book of Philippians. And guess what? It's only four chapters. I'll give you a heads up. I was on the treadmill. It took me seven minutes to listen to the book of Philippians. And yes, I was dying by the seven-minute mark when I was running. But again, I, I ran for seven minutes, headphones in. I listened to the entire book of Philippians in that amount of time. So do you know how many times you could probably listen to the book of Philippians? And you're like, I'm not a reader. Can you listen? And if you are a reader, I want to challenge you for this month. Read it again and again and again and again and again. I guarantee there there, there is no shortage in how much we can take out of God's word. And there's never going to be a moment where you can ever turn around and say, you know what? I think I've read that book too many times. I've taken too much truth out of the Bible. I'm going to skip that. No, you're not ever going to get to that point. So I love the fact that we're going to be in Philippians. So to kind of like get everybody caught up to speed, I got to kind of like lay some groundwork over the next month. So kind of the background of Philippians, and most people know this, and if you don't, welcome to, again, this is the beauty of the church, even if you don't know stuff, we welcome that because we want to help people learn and grow. But Philippians is considered a jail, it's considered a prison epistle, meaning when Paul was penning this letter, He was literally chained to a Roman guard. And I don't know how you write if a chain, I don't know if he had to ask the guy for slack when he was doing it, but Paul is literally in prison. And he wasn't in prison for parking tickets. He wasn't in prison for a B&E. He was in prison for relentlessly preaching the gospel of Christ. He wouldn't stop. After people came up to him and he was beaten, he was flogged and thrown out of towns, and people were like, Paul, you need to stop preaching the gospel. Paul says, no. So what do Romans do? They take the rabble-rousers, they take the people who are causing problems, and they put them in jail. And the beauty of this is, again, Paul is like that guy who formerly would have been like the top brass of like the pharisaical order, meaning like he was the top brass of like the religious institution of Judaism. He had so much zeal that he was persecuting the church. He was murdering people. Is locking people up who believed in Jesus. And then one day he was walking down a road, and if you read in the book of Acts, uh, all of a sudden Jesus appears to Paul. He's 
Paul, why are you persecuting me? And I love what Paul's response is because he's like, is that you, Lord? He already knew who it was. The beam of light comes. He, he already understood. Oh, I, I've done done it. It's my fault. I'm in trouble. This is something out there. The Lord showed up and talked to Paul. And I love this truth because, again, God shows up and meets us where we are at. Doesn't matter how far you are. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what you're currently doing wrong. The Lord will come and meet you exactly where you're at. And in that moment, that, that, that changed Paul's life. That, that moment when Paul met Jesus, Paul couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Paul even went away for a while and he like, kind of like reframed his mind, retaught himself what the scriptures meant, and he relooked at his life, and he took time before he just jumped out. But after Paul jumped and he started running for the Lord, you couldn't stop the guy. And then that's what gets us all the way to Philippians is where he's turning around and he's preaching so much that he gets thrown in jail. And the thing I like about Philippians is most of the books, if you read in the, the New Testament, uh, there's a lot of like correcting that Paul does in most of his letters. You read Galatians, they're off. You read Philemon, he's off. Corinthians is just a complete hot mess of a church. And Paul's having to like correct them. In this one, this isn't like a correcting letter. Paul's encouraging. And the thing where I was looking at is that Philippians is considered this prison epistle, meaning like this very well could have been the last thing that Paul ever said. Because the reality is prisons back in the day weren't, weren't meant for like this rehabilitation facility. It, it was meant as a holding cell before we figured out, like, are we going to kill the guy or are we not? If we kill the guy, is it going to cause a riot? If we kill the guy, is it going to have backlash? Like, it wasn't this, like, he'll get better. He'll learn to be a, like a, a, a model citizen if we leave him in here long enough. No, they, they were put in jail. And it was either we're going to let you out for whatever reason or we're just going to kill you. He didn't lock somebody up for 20, 30 years until they learned their lesson. It was life or death. So while Paul is sitting here and he starts penning Philippians, and this is the thing that I love about it. Yes, God is directing Paul's pen, and God kept this letter like preserved for us for thousands of years. The words and the topics and everything that Paul writes about is reflecting a realness inside of Paul's life. So while I was reading this, I, I, I was also simultaneously listening to a like, different book and different podcast. Uh, but th- this pastor kind of challenged uh, his readers to his book. And he's like, we put so much time into working on competencies. And we don't put as much time into character. So while I was reading Philippians, I'm like, I see a man's character right now. I'm seeing a man who's locked up for preaching the gospel. And while he's writing these letters that very well could be the last thing he is ever known to say, I don't see anything about here's my 401k or here's my retirement plan or hey, uh, I had a good marriage or had a good kids. or You don't see any of that. What you see Paul write about is like, again, it's a reflection of his character, the thing that mattered the most to him. And through the entire book of Philippians, you see that. I think you see Paul's character in that. And again, we'll, we'll let chapter 3 be chapter 3 because we land there. But while reading Philippians, I was struck with this idea of the importance of reflecting Jesus as your character more than just your capacities, more than just your skills, more than just your abilities. Because again, well, can you talk to somebody about Jesus? Some people here, 
great, awesome, you can talk to anybody you'd love to, you show up in any place, you make best friends with everybody. That's a capacity, that's awesome, that's a skill set. But for some of us, we can't. I'll be the first one to say, I, I, I come off as awkward in public. Starting conversations with people is weird to me because I don't know how to have shallow conversations. I like just go right in the deep end. So, so tell me how you got rescued by the Lord. I'm like, hi, just, just showed up for the first time. Welcome. But for us, we, 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 we get so focused on our capacities. What we do well, more specifically. We get so focused on what we don't do well. We get focused on... Well, I'm awkward, I'm weird, I, I have a past, I, I stutter, I fill in the blank. We get so focused on our capacities. The seldom do we turn around and we look at our character and try to figure out what is that thing that people most see in me. And while I was reading through Philippians, I, I saw that in Paul. He's not talking about the things that he's done well. He's exuding the thing that he knows more than anything. So this idea of character and capacities, to look at this, the gap of who we are currently versus kind of like where we want to be is the gap that I think we all struggle with. Because if I said, hey, do you want to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there somebody that you love and you care about that you want them to know the realness of who Jesus is so they can be set free of bondage, so they can know the Lord, so when they take their step off of this side of of temporary into this side of eternity, they know the Lord and they're welcomed into his glorious grace. I don't think any single person is going to say no. Nah, hell's them go with them going to hell. Nobody's going to say that. And if you do, like, let's talk about forgiveness and let's talk about making sure that we who know grace kind of extend grace. But that's so important for us as the church. Like, every single person here probably would be like, yeah, like, if, if I had the opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus, I would. But then why is there the gap? Who I am now with who I hope to be. I think it falls in the fact that we put so much time and so much emphasis on capacities, on skills, on abilities, rather than turning around and looking at our character and being like, is this something that I bring with me no matter what? So the reality is character goes with us in every situation and every circumstance. Capacities don't always do that. Have you ever changed a job? Oh, but I had so many skills here. And I had all this improvement. I knew technology. I knew how to work in this. And then you get a new job. And again, all those capacities, all those skills go nowhere. But what's the thing that followed you to the job? Your character. So if you're hardworking, you're hardworking. Notice most often than not, when you put a job resume out there, you're not putting about your capacities. You're putting about your characters. I'm a, I'm a hard worker. I'm a fast learner. I'm a team builder. You're not turning around, but man, I'm a whiz on the spreadsheets. You don't put that. People want to see character. So all this to be said, when we look at reach, when we look at this idea of reach, do you not reach the world because you're looking at your capacities, or are you not reaching the world because you've got to look at your character and realize that there's a flaw in your understanding of the gospel? So all this to be said, like, I can't talk to people. I can't say that to people. I'm awkward. Okay, whatever. But if your character, if the thing that drives you is to make sure that the gospel is that front and center thing that every single person sees and knows, doesn't matter where you go. 
You could be in Burton, Michigan. You could be in Tijuana. You could be in South Africa. You can be anywhere. If, if your character is so rooted in Christ, it doesn't matter where you go. And I think so often what we end up doing is when, when we preach and we teach and we start having conversations, like we teach the capacity. This is what you go do. This is what you go say. This is how you go do it. This is what you it, look for the opportunity to say this, that, or the other thing. And you get so focused on the capacity, the capacity, the capacity. And then when you miss, oh, I'm just not good at this. But instead for us, when we look at reaching, and I think when we look at Philippians, we see something different. We see a man whose character is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's rooted so much so that he's in a spot where he's willing to die to make sure that people know the gospel. He's in a spot where he's not going to be hindered. He's not going to be stopped. He's not going to be delayed. He's not going to make an excuse. He's always going to make sure that the gospel goes out. Now for us, again, these things like learning to reach the world, great opportunities. But I've been thinking about this. Again, New Year's resolution, we're seven days in. If your resolution is like, hey, I'm just going to eat better, that, that's a capacity. I'm going to eat more carrots. I'm going to drink less pop. That, that's a capacity. But if you really want to change and you say, hey, I want to be a healthy person, that's different. Because the moment, if again, I'm going to eat baby carrots, and the moment you see the Lay's potato chips or the Doritos out, and you start grabbing all those, like, oh, it, you're focused on the capacity. But if you're like, I'm going to be healthy, yeah, I'll eat one or two Doritos, that's fine. But I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be character. My character is going to be health. So for us, when we look at this idea of reaching the world, are you trying to reach because it's genuinely at the center of who you are? Is your character that you have repented and believed is, is at the center of who you are that you have confessed your sins and you confessed your need for the Lord? Have you cried out to the Lord is at the center of your heart? Is the gospel real to you? Is that who you are as a person? And not saying like, again, the first time you meet somebody, you got to be like, yeah, by the way, I repented again, Dixie Highway and Telegraph. Like, sure, you don't have to lead in that. But, but is the gospel there for you? Is it part of who you are? Or is it just something you do? Is making sure people know the Lord like a burning desire for you? Or is it just, hey, it's an added activity? Oh, okay, we got to learn the reach world. I'll do that. That's an activity. Hey, we got a trunk or treat coming up. Sweet, I'll be a part of that. Oh, we got the egg hunt coming up. I'll be that. Those are good things. And I'm appreciative that people come and help with those. But I started looking at this idea, and I think a lot of the reason why the church struggles so badly with reaching the lost, knowing the lost, loving the lost, getting out there, is because it's all viewed as, as an activity, as a skill, as, as an extracurricular. It's, I can turn it on and I can turn it off. Seldom does the church look at the gospel of Jesus Christ as that center-defining thing in who they are. That I was lost and now I'm found. I was broken, now I've been healed. I was wandering and the Lord has saved me. And because of that truth and everything that I do, I want to make sure that people know him. Because if you look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What is he talking about? Being in jail. He got locked up taken away from friends, beat up, 
tied to some smelly roaming guard. Like, what I want you guys to know is, again, what really happened to me? Yeah, that's advancing the gospel. So that if it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ, how do you know if, again, the gospel is at the center of your character? The idea is, again, character of character is rooted in making sure that the lost are reached. Your circumstances are secondary. Hey, go talk to that person about Jesus. Oh, that's awkward. Go talk to that person about Jesus. I don't want to offend them. Give you a heads up. You can't preach the gospel without offending somebody. You, you can't talk about sin without offending somebody. The, the church has got to kind of like understand, you need to make sure that you speak in kindness. Don't be a jerk. But in the same right for us to be like, well, we got to preach the gospel. We, we can't offend anybody. Can't break any eggs. We've got to walk on eggshells. It's, it's not going to happen. You've you got to pull the trigger at some point. You've you got to be able to have that conversation. Like, hey, do, do you know the Lord? Hey, you, you know you're living in sin. You know you're living in rebellion to the Lord. You know you're far from him at some point. Like, I don't care who you are. That, that's hard to hear. But at some point, the church has got to be able to realize that, again, if we are truly rooted in Christ, Our circumstances are secondary. What is the most primary, what is the most important thing in the world? Again, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I want you to know that that awkwardness that I felt when I was talking to my brother, my sister, my friend, my coworker in the world, guess what? That served to advance the gospel. I want you to know that that person probably won't talk to me again on Facebook because I said, I'm praying for you. Again, that served to advance the gospel. You're not being rude, you're not being a jerk, you're pushing into this, but to look at this idea, circumstances have to be secondary. If you really want to look at your character, is your character truly, truly, truly rooted in Christ? Is your circumstance primary or is it secondary? Because a lot of us live a relationship with the Lord that if it's going well, man, the Lord loves me, but the moment it's weird, it's hard, or I actually got to step against the grain, whoa, whoa, whoa. How dare the Lord make me actually speak up? That's weird. How dare he make somebody not like me? And Jesus said people won't like me. How dare you say that people will persecute me and make fun of me? It says that in the Bible too. If you want to know, is your character rooted in Christ? Look at how you deal with your circumstances. Are your circumstances the number one thing that you care about? Or is it the gospel of Christ? I'll say that this is hard in certain areas. So I love my wife. I love my kids. But the gospel is the most important thing. Now, again, the gospel needs to be in my marriage. The gospel needs to be with my kids. But in the same right, what is the most important thing? It's the gospel. Kathy and I are reading a book with the boys right now. Uh, it's called uh, Little Pilgrim's Progress. Phenomenal read. Go read it with your kids if you got them. But literally, it brings up to a point where there, there was a little character who got martyred. He died for his faith. I had to explain that to my boys. And they got it. Because I was like, what's the most important thing? Is it your life or is it the gospel? Zeke's like, the gospel. Why? Because everybody needs to know that Jesus died for them. I'm like, praise God. And I pray to God. It's not just head knowledge and it's heart knowledge. But I was like, oh my gosh. Like again, little character, sweet little fluffy like chipmunk or something dies. And I'm like, I got to explain this to my kids. Because martyrdom is tough. Bad circumstances is tough to talk to your kids about. Again, sometimes when you're living for Jesus, it's not always just great. 
But the fact that my kids understood that the gospel was so essential and the most needed thing, they weren't looking at their circumstances. They were looking at the necessity of the gospel. And I'm like, I pray to God that God can bloom that. But for us, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the death, burial, resurrection, is his amazing grace at the center of your character? What do you focus more on? Hey, this will, this will advance the gospel. Ah, this is so hard. This is so tough. Why would God ever do that to me? He, he probably doesn't love me. He, he probably forgot about me. And there's some hard things people have dealt with in this room. So I'm not undermining those circumstances. But to be able to look at the hardest of the hard, the, 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 the most crippling and destructive things that have befallen people, and to be able to say, like, I don't know what God's going to do with this, but I know he's going to use this to serve and advance the gospel. That's when you know your character is rooted in that hope that lives inside of you. Paul continues in verse 14 in Philippians chapter 1. He says, and most of the brothers, he's talking about the church, he's talking about the people who know Jesus, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So again, how is another way that we can tell? Is the gospel of Christ at the center of our character? This idea, again, my imprisonment, my uncomfortableness, the fact that I'm going through this, guess what? All it did is throw gasoline on there in the fire over there. Made them more passionate. Because the reality is, again, we go back to that, like, how do I know God's doing amazing things in my life when it's all comfortable? What if you had to go through something horrible in your life, but all it did is to serve to encourage somebody else? Because guess what? People are watching. People see how you live life. And more often than not, I've seen people go through tragedy after tragedy. I've seen people go through loss. But to watch them cling to Christ, you want to know what that does to other believers? Whoa. I don't have that much faith. I need more. Dude, I didn't know I believed in Jesus that much. But dude, I, I got to believe in Jesus like her. I got to believe in Jesus like him. Like, I need to cling to that. But this idea that Paul is sitting there, again, when character is not rooted in Christ, again, we get into this place of self-glory. I can't be uncomfortable. I don't really care about you. But if I had to go through a very rough trial and that made you get set ablaze for the gospel, I'll take it. I don't want to go through the hardship. It doesn't sound comfortable. But in the same right to look at this, and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak. When your character isn't rooted in you or your comfort. Because guess what? Sometimes bad things happen and it might not be you who gets the lesson out of it. The trial, that tragedy, whatever hit, it might not necessarily be like you walk away with that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. But maybe it's somebody on the other side of that auditorium watching you. That you encourage somebody by your faith. You encourage somebody by your ability to stand there. Because this idea, there is no I in team. There's no I in church. For us to be there alongside of each other is our character truly rooted in selflessness because if you look at the core of the gospel, what is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Selflessness. And for us to know that, like, ooh, is, is my character truly, truly rooted in Christ? Like, one, can you see how God can advance the gospel even through your circumstances? Can you see, again, is your character rooted in Christ? Where is that selflessness? And the other one, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, and this one hit me. 
Starting in verse 15, it says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfishness, selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. This is a hard one. Because Paul openly says, I know that there are haters out there. They despise me. They don't like me. They're not on my team, so to speak. But guess what? They're still preaching Jesus. And this is something that church world doesn't get. Well, you go to The Rock, or you go to Emmanuel, or you go to Central Church of the Nazarene, or you go to Flint City, or you go to the River Church Burton, or you go to the River Church Grand Blanc, and we get so caught up in this like rivalry of the church. For Paul, how do you know that, again, Paul's character is rooted in Christ he doesn't care about the fame he doesn't care if his team wins the bigger picture is again they don't like me great they're preaching Christ though cool so often we we get in this situation where like again we're all going to be best friends and the reality we're all broken we're all sinful we all should be unified we all should be grateful and gracious to each other but the reality is like okay that person doesn't like me are they preaching Christ character when it's rooted in Christ. Character, when it's rooted in the gospel, sees a bigger picture. Again, to go to the circumstances, to go to that comfort, to be like, oh yeah, there's people who genuinely don't. Okay. They're not best friends with everybody. Okay. That's fine. You don't have to be like, we don't all have to sit at the cool table of Christianity. You know what I mean? Like, that's where the cool kids are. So the pastors are at. That's where the deacons are at. Like, I want to sit at the cool table. That's not what it's about. It's about a bigger picture. The bigger picture that is people come to know Christ. And then Paul's next statement, again, he's talking about men. They're, they're, they're turning around, they're preaching Christ. Man, they don't like me, they're preaching on envy, they're, they're, they're getting passionate about those things, whatever, man, they're still preaching Christ. But in verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pre- pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice, and yes, I will rejoice. How do you know that your, God, or your, your character your heart is 100% rooted in Christ, the thing that makes your heart jump out of your chest, the thing that excites you, is when you genuinely see Jesus Christ proclaimed as Lord and Savior. Because again, if if you're looking at this from a capacity issue, if you're looking at this from a skill thing, you don't care about the fact that the Lord is being proclaimed. You're looking at it from, is it a good program? Everything goes smoothly? Did somebody respond? Because heavens forbid, if somebody doesn't respond, we know that it's a failure of a gathering, it's a failure of an event. No. You don't see people necessarily taking the knee during the egg hunt. You don't see people coming up and repenting of their sin during trunk or treat. And again, would I love to see that? Absolutely. But you want to know why I can walk away from the egg hunt? I can walk away from trunk or treat. You want to know why I can walk away from any opportunity when it's preaching the gospel to the unsaved? Because only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. The results aren't on me. Because if I'm focused on the results, I'm living in the capacity world. Because I realize that the results aren't on me, I'm focused on the character thing, that the only thing I care about is in pretense or in truth, I'm going to make sure that Jesus is proclaimed. Is your character so locked, so loaded, that when you look at, again, Christ being proclaimed, you rejoice You're not looking at a preference of who. You're not looking at the circumstances. You're not looking at the spotlight. You're not even trying to get the understanding of what really happened. 
But you heard that Jesus Christ, the true Son of God, came down and died on a cross so he could seek and save that what was lost, and he died on the cross to reclaim us in our brokenness, our wanderings, our rebellion. He reclaimed us to be able to have a relationship with the Lord. Because I look at Paul's character here, and I don't see a man who's, who's caught up in the capacities, the skills. Dude, I'm really good on my, my, my iPad. I'm really good with talking. No, he's not locked there. But what do you see out of Paul? You see a man who experienced the gospel for himself. He knew the Lord personally. And in his heart, out of that, everything flowed. For Paul, he wasn't focused on what he did well or what he didn't do well. He wasn't focused on who liked him and who didn't like him. He wasn't focused on, i got to make sure I say something to not offend somebody or not. He he wasn't focused on that drama or that tightrope walk. The thing that Paul's character reflects is 100% the gospel. So for us, for me, so what about your character in Christ? What does your character in Christ reflect? Who are you reflecting? Because the reality is uh, whether we are where we want to be or whether we're not where we want to be, and I'll give you a heads up, none of us, I think, are where we want to be. All of us want to grow in some way. But we're not going to grow by focusing on, oh, I, I just need to talk more. I need to say more. I need to step out of my comfort zone well. You'll do that for a little bit. That's behavior modification. The first step for us is to look at what is at the core of who we are. At the core of who you are, at the character of who you are. If you know you have been set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're here and you want to make sure that people know him. You want that motivation to be able to talk to that. I know that's a hard conversation. I know that's a hard person to talk to. I know my loved one doesn't like that. I know it's going to get awkward. If you can look at that and be like, I know I want to, how do I go do that? Does your character, and again, Philippians 1.18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Does your, and I'm going to put myself here, does my, does my character proclaim Christ? Does it only proclaim my competencies? My skills, my abilities, my attendance record. I serve here. I give here. Because for us, we need to make sure that our our, our character is not rooted in our works. Our character isn't rooted in what we've done. Our character reflects and our character proclaims that we are in need of the Lord. And I don't know where you're at in life and I don't know where you're sitting there. But I sat on this truth for a while this week. And I think the struggle to live out this idea of reaching the world, reaching the unsaved, it's more connected to people's, like, focus on their capacities. Ryan's telling us we've got to reach the world. Let's go talk to somebody. Oh, did it once. Check. The reason why us as the church need to be so focused on the gospel has to live here. We have to know it. We have to believe it. We have to see it. We have to see how much Jesus has done for us. To go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a we. Who's we? You. If you know who he is, you're part of the we. If you don't know who he is, and you need to know who he is, 
If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, if you can look at this book, I, I don't know, how, how do I represent Christ? I don't know Christ. If you're listening to this and you don't know that Jesus loves you so much that he died on a cross, if you want to know that God has so much more for you than you will ever be able to understand, if God has a place for you prepared up in eternity next to him, if you don't know the love of the Lord, make today the day. Because reaching kind of has two elements. There's the idea of, again, those who know Jesus need to go out and start reaching. But maybe you don't know Christ. And if today is the day, you're like, I I don't know what that means. I have questions. I would love to answer those. I love answering those questions. Those are fun to me. Because it shows where your heart's at. It shows where that struggle is. Because, again, not every single person is like, oh, Jesus died on the cross from our sins. Okay, cool. Sometimes it takes conversation. Sometimes it takes tracking it out. Sometimes it takes having those conversations. But again, a capacity gives up after one. A character keeps talking to somebody. Because just because somebody doesn't accept Christ on their first time, the character to know that Christ being proclaimed is the thing I care about. I'll proclaim it until I'm blue in the face, until you know. I'll talk to you about Jesus and what he's done for my life until you're annoyed with me. I'm going to keep talking to you about the, the, the man who saved my soul. But this idea, though, For you to walk out of here and not know the Lord grieves me. If you're here and you don't know the Lord and you'd like to talk about it, I would love that. But for those of us who know the Lord, and so when Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians, he's talking to the church, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We who should be walking around, our character should be so rooted in him that we want to proclaim his death, his burial, his resurrection. We want to proclaim his love. But I love this, God making his appeal through us. Because if you look at it, you don't lead with you when you preach the gospel. Oh, I was this and I was that. It's all what Jesus did. Because so often for us, again, the, the character that we have in Christ is a new life. The character that we have in Christ is a new heart. The character that we have in Christ is, again, all the sins of our past are gone and he made a new creature in us. But for you today, if you want to get on this, like, hey, I want to start reaching the world. I want to be about about this. I want to challenge you. Is your heart truly exploding with the gospel? Are there areas in your life where you can look at it and be like, dude, I'm only focusing on my comfort zone. I'm only focused about the, the win for me. I'm only focused about my church. No, you want to focus on, man, I'm focusing on the Lord. I'm focused on any opportunity I can. I'm going to proclaim the Lord, whether they come to the River Burden or whether they go to the church down the street. I don't, I don't care where they go, but they, they know the Lord. But I want to challenge you because, again, if you're living in that world where all you're doing is focusing on competencies, if you go into Learn to Reach Your World on Saturday and you're like, I'm going to get a new skill, that's all you get. A skill might not transition everywhere. But if you look at opportunities where you can transform your life to look more like Jesus, to proclaim the death and the resurrection of the Lord in your action, and the way you love people, and the way you respond to people, that's when we as the church really start reaching the